Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, before we get started, just want to let everyone know about the Purple Podcast Big Game Special Edition powered by Sprint. Courtney Judd and I will be talking about all things associated with the big game. We'd like to thank Sprint for their partnership with this special edition podcast. And to learn more about how you can get Sprint's incredible unlimited plan that includes Hulu, visit a local Sprint store today. Sprint, it works for me. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with Courtney Cronin. Courtney, how are you? I am enjoying the mini bye week. Oh, okay. Well, what are your big plans for the mini bye week? Are you watching football? Because that's my plans. Grocery store is definitely amongst the um, amongst the things that are going to happen because my fridge, which I'm currently looking to, um, has some nice pictures on the outside, nice Christmas cards, but the inside is entirely bare. Mm. It has been bare since before Thanksgiving, and I live on Postmates. Well, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna watch some football too, but but grocery is number one. Uh-huh. I uh, I bought a car. Got a, I had to get a new car. Hey, so, congratulations! Yep, did Adulting. that. Uh huh. Yeah. It it turns out that it takes a really really long time to buy a car with all the paperwork and everything else, and I forgot that. Um, so I'm glad we had the bye week for that, and I got on the ice and skated for the first time this year. That was fun, too. Can you skate? My ankles are very bad, but it sounds like you're just like the Sidney Crosby of our media circle. Uh, yes. Or should I, should yes, I have gone with a wild it. player to be topical and no, everything? No, because they don't have that many great players. Um, we'll save that, for, <laughs> save that for the hockey podcast that we have. Um, I, I would say that I'm a lot better at basketball than I am hockey, but I really enjoy getting out on the ice. So, all right, so we're enjoying that, but what is on your mind football-wise? What is the number one topic to you as we sit here and wait to find out who the Vikings are going to play? Well, before any sort of scenarios of who they're going to play and, you know, of the three teams that are eligible, I think it has to be located within the Vikings organization itself. I mean, where's Pat Shermer going to end up? Because it's inevitable that he's going to be a head coach because he deserves to be a head coach after everything he's done this season. And right now with the four, you know, the four teams that we're hearing are, you know, in the mix for interviews, things like that. This is what the bye week is for. I know there are a lot of fans and there are a lot of people who get, 
you know, agitated. Why is this happening during the buy? It's taking focus away. When do you want it to happen? Realistically, this is a business. As the Vikings are, you know, preparing to make a Super Bowl run here in the playoffs, there's other teams trying to rebuild and get their team on track. So, of course, it has to happen now. And, you know, certainly Mike Zimmer's been as, you know, upfront and as straightforward as, you know, I think you can be, you know, when asked about Shermer as a head coaching candidate, giving him his praise, saying, yeah, I think he should be a head coach again, and he deserves it. Um and now that the players have these four days off from Thursday to Sunday, this is the time that it's got to happen. So the teams that are out there that are going to interview him, the New York Giants, the Lions, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Chicago Bears, uh, let, let, us, let us rank those in terms of where he should want to go and then where Vikings fans would, or at least the one that Vikings fans would not want to see him go to. Because uh, I, I, I have it this way. I think that... At the top of the list should be the Giants for Shermer wanting to go coach the Giants. Probably going to get a top two pick there. Great defenses in place. Uh, the division is okay, but it, it, I mean, it's also on rocky ground, at least in Washington. They might not have a quarterback. Not sure how good Dallas is going to be long term. Philly's going to be good. So you've got that one to me is at the top. Then I've got Chicago next because you get to work with an up and coming quarterback. After that is Detroit, because you can win right now, and then Arizona is last on my list. How does it look for you? You know, if I'm thinking in terms of the, the human aspect of this as well, I think Detroit, it's, Detroit's got to be up there, if not number one. He's from Michigan. You know, his family's in Michigan. It's, you know, all the ties are there. If he wants to make the jump back, this would be an opportunity. You have a quarterback. And Matthew Stafford, who just got, you know, the biggest deal in NFL history for quarterbacks um, in the offseason. And I think that having somebody who worked magic this year with a guy like Case Keenum and honestly, you know, Sam Bradford was probably the most comfortable and ready to have a career year as he's ever been um, with Shermer going in this season because he had a full year and a full offseason to work in his system. I think that, you know, given that offensive line and some of the strengths there, he's got it. He would be walking into a good situation. But if you want to start from the ground up and if you want to start from a situation where you can really sink your teeth in in the beginning stages, I would say, you know, the Bears are up there. So maybe one and two, Detroit and Chicago. And then three being, as you as you mentioned, with the Giants and their situation with that they have in the draft and everything that they have coming back. Um, probably three for Giants and then four for Arizona. But, you know, it's almost kind of hard because you take a look at the Arizona situation and he could potentially bring a guy like Sam Bradford or Case Keenum, whoever he wants with him at quarterback because Carson Palmer's like, deuces, I'm out of the NFL. <laughs> and and you could really compete realistically next year. The slight issue I would find with Arizona and, and Detroit, I mean, honestly, it's, decent choices for him across the board. You almost can't go wrong there. It's just that your rope is going to be short with those teams, where if it doesn't happen in two years or you miss the playoffs, you're probably out, where you might have a little more time and a little more leeway when it comes to a team that's being rebuilt. Now, uh, I look at the two teams that Vikings fans should, A, want him to show up at and not want him to show up at, uh, as being in the same division. I think if you're a Vikings fan, you want him to end up with the Lions because it doesn't change a lot. Like they already have a pretty good offense. We know they've got a good quarterback. They might even want to keep their offensive coordinator in place because Matthew Stafford likes him. 
And Pat Trimmer's not a defensive coach. The thing you'd be really worried about is if the Lions actually got a defense, then they would be pretty dangerous and maybe get over that 9-7 and seven hump. And the team that I would least want to see him with, if I were a Vikings fan, is the Chicago Bears, because I think that he could really kickstart Mitch Trubisky and get some weapons in there, find some ways, more ways to utilize the two talented running backs. Like that could be pretty a pretty dangerous offense with Pat Shermer at the helm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. With you know, Trubisky is a project right now. I mean, he's still this. I think all things considered, as we were talking about yesterday, he had a pretty good game against the Bears. Um, excuse me, against the Vikings in the season finale, missing you know key parts of his offensive line. Um, you know, the lack of de- depth they have at wide receiver, just so many things were going against them. And he still was able to perform pretty well. You put him in a situation where he has a whole whole year to learn Pat's, Pat's system and, you know, get with somebody who has, you know, worked wonders with quarterbacks who nobody thought would be where they're at now. You know, and he's in the beginning stage of his career. Case Keenum's five years in. So I think that that would be pretty traumatic down the line um it would be cool because it would reignite the bears vikings rivalry and something that's actually um you know actually a rivalry and actually means something um because it's been years since the bears have been competitive in the nfc north um so that's probably you know i agree with you i think that that's definitely the, the worst place that you know the worst spot for him to land um but you know in taking a look at everything, I mean, they've got their defense in place with Vic Fangio, and, you know, I think that they're going to have, you know, widespread offensive changes there in Chicago. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that is where he ends up. It just seems like that's everything that's aligning there, young quarterback, good good stable of running backs, and you have, you know, kind of that scat-back system coming back next year, a pretty decent offensive line. They just need to go into the draft and find a receiver or three. Um, yes. you know, and, and aren't the bears the ones who like, you know, utilize the tight end to the, to the fullest in the NFC North or historically have, like they have all the pieces in place. That's going to be really dangerous going against the Vikings in years to come. And that's why I think that that's probably, you know, the most realistic option that we're looking at right now. Now, it seems to me from my Twitter account that fans are really concerned about losing Pat Shermer, and they should be because of what he's done with this offense in losing his starting quarterback, and then Case Keenum goes from a guy that was below average statistically to above average statistically and just utilizing Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and and the offensive line and on and on all the things you know. Um, I wonder, though, if the fear is a little bit shaded by the fact that the last offensive coordinator was Norv Turner. And you went from basically the very bottom of the league in your offensive creativity and modernness, if you will, um, toward the top, which is a good thing. But I also feel like there will be other offensive coordinators out there who are kind of in the same mold as Pat Shermer, more progressive types. I mean, we saw Sean McVay turn around the Los Angeles Rams offense. So it's not as if there's no one else in the entire world that could come in and use a lot of the same concepts going into next year. So maybe even though as much as I'm super impressed with what Shermer has done this season, I would also say the fear of losing him might be a little overstated. I think it's because the Viking Vikings fan base finally has seen 
what it's like to have nice things and nice things <laughs> sustained throughout the course, you know, kind of throughout the course of the season, despite, you know, a lot of wrenches being thrown in the direction of, you know, their success. And it makes sense to me, you know, why screw up a good thing going? And, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before that, you know, it's, it's like in the NBA, team wins a championship. Let's start talking about how we're going to blow up this team next year and how we're going to, you know, all these monumental trades are going to send guys here, send guys there to start building other championship teams. I mean, it's, it's reality. It happens. It's nothing that anybody could like, you know, prepare against. I mean, I get that question on social media a lot. What can the Vikings do, if anything, to keep Pat Shermer here in Minnesota and, throw a bunch of money to him yeah maybe but like would that be more than head coaching money I don't know and I don't and I don't know if you can if anything would honestly replace the urge he has you know that he stated you know if he wants to to be a head coach again you know he wasn't gonna go outright last week when he was asked about it and say yeah I want to be a head coach because that you know he's been smart and he's been honestly really respectful of the whole situation this year and saying that you know, if somebody wants to talk to me about being a head coaching candidate, I'd like to talk about, you know, the past job I did because a lot of these jobs, you know, the Detroit job, for example, um, you know, I believe of all the candidates and, you know, they, they probably are going to go more defense. Um, I, I, that's, I think that's why Matt Patricia's name is like so much at the top right now. Mm -hmm. But among all of those candidates, Mike Vrabel, Mike Patricia, Steve Wilkes, Terrell Austin, who's a defensive coordinator, Pat's the only one who has head coaching experience from you know, what, 9-23 and 23 with, uh, you know, two seasons with the Browns, he's going to be able to go into meetings and use use that experience and be like, hey, this is where I was at then, and here's where I've grown. Um, and I think that that's going to be really appealing to a lot of, you know, a lot of teams that he's interviewing with and general managers and ownership because his whole thing has been about adapting. Every mm -hmm. player, every coach, every assistant you talk to talks about how he adapts his system to the personnel, not adapts his personnel to the system. So for me, I look at that and I'm just like, okay, that's why he's such an appealing candidate um, on top of the experience he already had. Do you think there's anyone else on the Vikings staff that they could lose? Um, Mike Prefer has been pretty straightforward, the special teams coach, that he would love to be a head coach one day, but it's tough to go from being special teams coach all the way up to a head coach. You don't see that very often. You never know, though. I mean, Anthony Lynn in San Diego, I think he was, mm -hmm. what was he, a running backs coach? And then he ends up as their head coach. So you do see it from time to time, but, but not that often. And George Edwards is going to get some interviews, but I feel like not calling the plays might hold him back from sure. getting any of those chances. Um, anybody else that you see potentially ending up as a head coach somewhere? Maybe not now. Like I would, I think the question you have to raise would be which of the assistants that they have now, um, you know, in terms of position coaches want to make that jump to be an offensive or a defensive coordinator. Um, I guess the first name that kind of comes to mind for me with that would maybe be Jerry Gray. Um, you know, he's been in this league a long time and I wouldn't, you know, for the work that he's done with these defensive backs, I think is, you know, nothing shy of you know, he's got has great talent, but he's taken some really raw talent. Like people forget Xavier Rhodes, you know, 
two, three years ago was not in a very good position. Um, and, you know, where he was really raw and still struggling. And look where he's at now. He's number one corner in the league. I mean, mm-hmm. He's done a lot of work with Harrison Smith. And, I mean, Harrison Smith probably didn't need a lot of work done because he's been that good his whole career. Um, but, you know, I think Gray, because he's already been a defensive coordinator before with the Titans for, you know, the 2011 through 2013 season. I could see him potentially wanting to make that jump. Um, you know, back because he's been with the Vikings as their DB's coach since Zimmer arrived. And, you know, maybe some of the guys under Mike's, you know, under Mike's defensive system that, you know, because we know this is Mike Zimmer's defense, as you mentioned with George Edwards, why the likelihood of him getting that head coaching job might be hurt a little bit because he's not calling his own plays. You know, so many guys in the Mike Zimmer coaching tree you know, will have their own chance eventually to go out and be, you know, the man of their own defense and be the one calling the shots. And, you know, for me, Gray has been, you know, probably one of the more impressive, uh, you know, guys that we've, coaches that we've seen defensively for the, uh, you know, for the Vikings in terms of, you know, the skill development of his group. So I would, I could say him potentially, I mean, without knowing what his aspirations, hopes, and dreams are, if he wants to be a defensive coordinator, but he'd be my pick. What about you? Yeah, uh, Kevin Stefanski comes to mind, too, as a guy who could potentially take over as offensive coordinator, that his name would be there. I also think... I can see that. I also think Tony Sperano, I mean, he's had the experience before, and uh, maybe somewhere he would be able to get a coordinator position. I mean, after being the head coach in in Miami, I I don't know if he's going to get another head coaching shot right now, but if he were to strike when the iron was hot, the turnaround of this offensive line, he could, he could sell that pretty well. I mean, a lot of it is talent, but going from one of the league's absolute worst offensive lines when he got here to a year later, a team a team's offensive line that has played a huge role in their success. There's a lot that you can show off there that you've been able to do, especially with a rookie center and being putting him in the position that he did and it's a lot of it is Elfline's talent and you can never separate that the same thing with Rhodes or Wayne's like top draft picks and stuff but if you're Sperano you probably had to do a lot of work with Nick Easton changing positions and with Elfline coming into the league and taking on a leadership position in the middle against a lot of the league's best nose tackles if you're Sperano I think you could hype that up pretty well he he's the other guy for me uh, that could go there. Do you think that the Cleveland Browns are going to move on from Hugh Jackson and he could potentially end up in Minnesota if Shermer leaves? Wouldn't it make sense? I mean, Owen 16, they're going to have the parade next week. Like, it just, you know, it, I can't see a way that they decide to keep him. I mean, it's been seasons of this. And, you know, I was kind of surprised this week with the Marvin Lewis news with the Bengals after, you know, 0-7 in the postseason, failing to make it yet again this year, and then everything else, they sign him to a deal through 2019. Like, at what point is enough enough? Like, yes, I understand you have to take into effect personnel and some of the stuff, but you have your – you know, Andy Dalton's been there. It's not like mm-hmm. he's – regressed more this season than I guess you can say in other years he's been he's a career up and down guy um so I was kind of surprised by that but I parlay that to to the Jackson stuff because you know it's I feel like the Browns if they're really going to do this right and not screw up their draft this year and just from top to bottom clean house I mean you saw it 
with them getting rid of Sashi Brown earlier. I mean, it just it just makes sense to me if if Jackson were to part ways and, you know, it would make also make sense if, you know, if, you know, if and when Pat Shermer does leave that Mike Zimmer gives him, you know, really pushes to give him a look as the offensive coordinator, you know, to fill that position because they're very close. They've, they've had a good relationship for years. He's taught him a lot about uh, offensive football. Zimmer's taught Jackson a lot about, you know, defensive football. So that relationship is already, the inroads are already there. Um, I could definitely see, you know, you know, wanting to bring him in potentially as an offensive coordinator. If Stefanski, I mean, you can't overlook the work that he has done with all the quarterbacks in the Vikings roster. Um, you know, getting Teddy Bridgewater back into a place where he's at now, working, you know, really working really well with Case Keenan, with Sam Bradford. And he's a young up-and-coming talent that, you know, you could go one of two ways there. But I, I could, I do think that it's inevitable, don't you? I mean, wh- why keep this guy around? Owen, what is he, Owen 23? <laughs> or 1 uh, in 23? 1 in 20 something? 1 in 31, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, math. Analytics. And, you know, stats. Um, but it's, it just make why keep these guys around? Like if it's not working, it's probably the, it's probably just the fit. That's why you see guys go from, you know, getting fired at one job and then they're, they're already being interviewed somewhere else in the same position. Because sometimes it's just the team mm-hmm. and all of the things not aligning properly, whether it's the personnel, whether it's, you know, I guess chemistry, things like that. I mean, it doesn't, it's not necessary. Just sometimes some situations don't work out, and clearly that one's not going to work out I, for I'm, him. I'm going to continue to think that the Browns is not a. It's not as bad of a situation as people make it out to be because they went 0 16. That they could bounce back, but if you lose every single game, that probably should mean you're just fired. I mean, I could make excuses for anything else. I can't make excuses for losing every single game. Although. If it gets you the top draft pick quarterback to rebuild your team around, then maybe long term it ends up working out a lot better for them. Um, let me... Do they draft a quarterback though? That's the oh, they thing. Better, I... right? They better. Come on, like two. They have two of the top four draft picks. Yes. Y- yeah, yeah. You have but... to, right? You have to. After passing on Wentz and passing on Watson, you have to this time. I mean. I something in me tells me they're going to screw it up and go after another defensive end, which, you know, not necessarily like is a bad thing, but you know, with Josh Rosen and, you know, Sam Darnold, I mean, if those are your top guys, like, I don't, I don't know if that's, I was watching something earlier with Mel Kuyper and I mean, he didn't even seem to, I mean, granted we need to see measurables and it really is kind of too early for like the big board and all that, but good Lord. I, I, you might be better off with what you have right now. What do you think of the quarterbacks? You covered uh, college football and recruiting and all that. I think this class is really fascinating. It's gone from, oh, this is the class of the century to, eh, I don't really know about anybody here exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, you know, I think that we, the two names that I just threw out there, I mean, those are drawing all the headlines, and it kind of wasn't really. I don't know. I felt like there. I felt like there was more of a disappointment with this class than anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just nothing lived up to the hype. I mean, I think of last year's class. I mean, all of a sudden you see Mitchell Trubisky after the bowl game, you know, rise. Uh, you know, in those next few months, but really after that Sun Bowl game, 
you know, where they lost, like you, you kind of, I felt like you heard his name come out a lot more, uh, you know, even though they lost that game, but it wasn't as, I don't know. It just seems like there's, I don't think there's a lot of hype around this class right now. Maybe there will be once we get to the combine and we start seeing some pins drop, but I don't know. I don't know if I really feel like this college, this, I would say maybe last year or excuse me, two years ago, I'd probably be a little bit more adept to saying that that class had a lot more star power. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be a guarantee that Darnold or Rosen is going to go number one and two, but that's kind of how it always ends up playing out, where everyone says, well, you should probably take this guy at the bottom of the first round for his talent, but just because he plays that position, they end up taking those guys at the top, and I think that that's what will happen. The two that are more interesting than Darnold or Rosen to me are Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Because sure. Lamar Jackson is not a wide receiver, NFL, so stop it. He I hate is... when they do that. I hate when they, like, take guys and they're like, oh, he's a tight end. Yeah. Oh, Ter- yeah. Terrell Pryor, let's, like, throw you into, like, three – like, just, like, change the makeup of your game. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it worked out for uh, Terrell Pryor, but usually um, I think changing those guys' positions, if they're actually a good quarterback – is a bad idea because it turns out that athleticism helps you play football at the quarterback position. And the Lamar Jackson thing, it reminds me very much when Tyrod Taylor was in college, I really liked him as a quarterback that had like potential in the NFL. And he dropped to the sixth round in part because he told every team, I'm not going to be a running back. Like you, you can't make me a running back or receiver. And you know, the other one that comes to mind too, I, I looked at statistically, Colin Kaepernick was pretty similar when he came out mm-hmm. at, to Lamar Jackson for their stats, for how much they ran, and for the scouting reports. And there's something in common with all three of these quarterbacks, right? Uh, and, and all three of them are talked about as, well, you know, he's just an athlete and that sort of thing. Athleticism will help you at any position. And as we see Cam Newton all the time, it can help you make up for your team isn't good. Your left tackle isn't good. Your receivers can't separate and well, that's fine because he got a 60-yard run, and they act I'd like that's say, a bad though, thing. I'd say, though, of the, any of them, and, I mean, Lamar Jackson is the anomaly there because what he did the last two seasons, nobody in college football's done. Mm-hmm. And that's why I bring up the thing about Terrell Pryor. It only works in a very, 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 very small set of you know, college players transitioning to the NFL to change their position, which is right, why right. I don't think that works with a guy like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's an athlete. Yeah, he's, you know, got a tremendous build. He could be, you know, great. He could, you could throw him in a slot. You could throw him outside. I mean, he's 6'3", 205 pounds. I mean, he's, he's a big dude who can, I'm sure, as a receiver, if you really wanted him to be an NFL wide receiver, you could make it work. But why would you take that amazing skill set he has and how powerful of an arm he has and, and, you know, making throws off, you know, off platform. Like, why would you make, why would you waste that, essentially? Yeah. Not saying that, like, you know, there, there's there's other wide receivers in this class that would be just as good. Like, that, you, why, why take a quarterback talent and do that? I don't know. Yeah, the arm and the ability to make big-time throws really impressed me every time I saw him. Even in the bowl game. I mean, I got a few tweets. Oh, your boy threw four picks. Well, yeah, wide receiver stopped on one of them. Uh, that was one issue. There was also a touchdown throw that was amazing and got dropped in the end zone. And I didn't think he had really good wide receivers. The uh, offensive line was getting blown up in that game, and he still got them to lose by only seven points. 
I thought he, he played really well. What do, what do you think of uh, Baker Mayfield? He's the most, I think, uh, controversial of the quarterbacks. Sure. And, I mean, that's, you know, it's to be expected after the, let's go through them, flag planting, uh-huh. uh, crotch grabbing. Um, what else did he do? Uh, obscene, that was the obscene gesture that uh, he sw- in the, yelled at somebody. Like In the game they lost, there was a clip of him yelling, it's over, it's over to Georgia, which was probably yes. not a good choice early in that game because they beat the crap out of him in the second half. Uh, the The thing that... You know, I, I saw a lot of people say, who cares if he grabbed his crotch or whatever. It's not so much that bothers me. It's that it happened against Kansas. Like, Kansas, yeah. how's Kansas in your head? It's Kansas. Be- because they didn't shake his hand. You know, his team, it's it's basically their fault. They didn't display sportsmanship, in my opinion. Um, that's obviously a joke. Um For those who can't take a joke. But, I mean, <laughs> the case about Baker Mayfield, of course, those – those quote unquote red flags are going to come into the interview process and people are going to be asked about it. But you take a look everywhere he's been. I mean, first, I think he's the first walk on in NF in college football history um, to win a game. Is that there's some crazy Heisman, stat there. right? Is it to Heisman, win Heisman? Yeah. To win Heisman. Sorry. Yeah. To win Heisman because he, well, he did it at Texas Tech and then he transferred. Um, and, you know, I think that the whole gunslinger notion with a guy like Baker Mayfield might be, you know, a little overblown because I think that, you know, while he doesn't have a good, the strongest arm of anybody in this class, I think, you know, the mobility he has, you know, dodges sacks, kind of looking like Case Keenum out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, you know, he's got average arm strength, but I think that he can make the required throws that you need to in the NFL. Um, undersized or not, you know, that's maybe we should, maybe it's time we start getting away from that because you t- take a look at this quarterback class that you have right now, um, you know, in, in the playoffs, I mean, not everybody is Cam Newton's size, right? Like there's just, you know, there's that factor you have to bring in too. And, you know, Mayfield, he had the completion percentage last year. I mean, I think that, you know, with, with everything that you saw this year and it was kind of a, didn't we know that he was going to win the Heisman by like October? Mm-hmm. Like just given like how that's why I say this class was kind of underwhelming. Um, Cause you know, a- across the board, you have some first year starters, kind of the Mitchell Trubisky type stuff where you don't have guys who, you know, among all the quarterbacks, you don't have the, just the depth of dominant two, three year starter guy led the team to a conference championship and back to back years, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's why I think this year's senior bowl, it's going to be smart just to, you know, it's going to be a good, a good move for a lot of these guys to kind of have that one last shot, you know, before the combine to, you know, to get in front of, you know, some coaches and, and some, see some of, you know, see some of that stuff before the combine and before, you know, the draft, their draft day. Yeah. I think I expected it to be more clear who was good, you know, by now where, you know, okay, we're going to get the, another season and then all these really talented young quarterbacks are going to come out in the draft and I'm going to know how I feel about Baker Mayfield. I'm going to know how I feel about Lamar Jackson and where they're going to be drafted. And I think that it's still a toss up, whether it's going to be Rosen or Darnold will Rosen not want to go play for the Browns. Is he, does he have the character and makeup that you want for a starting quarterback? I see that the character assassination of Josh Rosen is already on. Um, from because he, he wants to make money playing uh, football. I mean, you just—it is so bizarre 
the stories that come out. Cam Newton had the disingenuous smile, remember? So He also okay. stole a laptop. Yeah, they did do that. Yeah, but the disingenuous smile, now that was a that was a little bit of a stretch. And when you think about okay, Johnny Manziel, yeah, there were some red flags with Johnny Manziel, but there are plenty of quarterbacks who have gone in the first round that did not have any red flags that were the classiest, most God-fearing, <laughs> wonderful leader men that you'll ever find in your life, and they were bad. And Tim Tebow comes to mind for me. I mean, he would have checked off every single box. And there are also guys that would have been a little full of themselves or would have been in it for the money or whatever he's being accused of, and yet they end up making it in are great. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger with that one. Like a guy who has, I don't, I don't know if he had character issues coming out, but he certainly had him in yeah, the NFL. That's right. He certainly proved to, and yet it just <laughs> didn't matter because he was he was that good. Um, well, anyway, that's something that I'm really excited about following as we go into the draft process. But uh, Courtney, obviously, Vikings fans are thinking mostly about their playoff game coming up, and I'm going to throw this out to you. Here's my offensive line combination that I think the Vikings should use. Going into the playoffs, I think it should be Riley Reef left tackle, Joe Berger left guard, Elfline in the middle, Mike Remmers at right guard, and Rashad Hill at right tackle. Reaction? I was going to say kind of the same thing. I mean, it worked. And, you know, you get Elfline back at, you know, at center, you know, this week, next week, excuse me. And, I mean, I, I think Remmers at right uh, – moving over a spot I think I, I liked it did you what did you think about last week yeah when I looked at especially early in the game when they were just pounding Latavius Murray I thought man Remmers his skill set just fits this he's such a good run blocker he's big and powerful but he can move and it maybe protects him a little bit in the pass blocking whereas Rashad Hill his strength is the pass blocking it's almost mm-hmm. like moving those guys into their proper positions and Berger can, I think he could play anywhere. I think he could play any of the three interior positions because he's been around so long. And also Searles in a pinch is fine, but more Searles is not what you need. I think. And I think you want Searles for the, for the, that role of just like, Hey, let's, as you said, in a pinch, but also like, you know, you, if something happens and somebody goes down mm-hmm. in that uh, divisional round, I mean, who are you looking at? You know, your backup center is Cornelius Edison. I have not met the young man quite yet, um, but I'm sure, I'm sure he's wow. got great character. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know if I've ever seen him <laughs> outside of obviously you see him in practice, but I've never spoken to him. So, I mean, you know, he just got moved off the practice squad last sun- Saturday. Um, and so, you have Danny Isadora, who, you know, in a pinch also can mm-hmm. do, has been pretty phenomenal this year. I mean, in limited to 167, 171 snaps, whatever it was. Cleveland game, um, he was good. Yeah. yeah, Cleveland game, he was really good. I think, uh, you know, he, you know, going in um, in the Carolina game, nobody expect. I mean, that was just a disaster. Did he have to around. go in the Baltimore game, too? Yes, because Searles went down. Oh, so right. I mean, yeah. and that's what set him up to have the starting job at uh, at left guard that week. So, you know, in speaking with Joe after the game, like he was kind of he was like, yeah, you know, I don't think I played great at center. I think that you know, I mean, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, it's been a while. Like, cut yourself some slack. Essentially, I mean, it's it. He last time he did it, he wasn't playing with Case Keenum at quarterback. So I think that 
the the reef berger elf from right to excuse me left to right reef berger elfline rammers hill the combination you talked about it fits going forward and i i wouldn't mind seeing it going into this game i think that's the best way you have to i think that's your best chance to establish a really good ground game and have latavius murray um you know get uh you know get start start the ground game and you know start you know, early on, just like he did against the Bears, you know, kind of right out the gate. But then you're also going to have the screen game back because Elfline's such a a contributor to that. And getting him back in there healthy with the shoulder, um, I think is going to open up a lot more possibilities for them to, to attack that early. Number one reason on my list for having this combination is Aaron Donald. I think there's a really, really good chance that they're playing the Rams. If the Rams win, they play the Rams. You know, you don't think the Dirty Birds are going to rise up and uh, uh, it's possible know, pull off the upset. I mean, it's possible. Sometimes we've seen that happen before, where a team where you think it's their year and they lose, and then you think it's not their year and they win. Uh, but if the Rams win, you're facing the Rams. I, I mean, they should be favored by quite a bit. And then you've got to go against Aaron Donald. I think Jeremiah Searles against Aaron Donald is a nightmare. And you're going to get demolished in the middle. Donald, we were talking about the best players in the NFL on defense and Harrison Smith and his PFF rating and all that. Well, Harrison and Aaron Donald are number one and two in the entire NFL. You're facing the best three technique defensive tackle that there is. And in the last game, he was unstoppable. And mm-hmm. that and that was with with you having your starting lineup, right? I think they did have their starting yeah, lineup. Yeah, they, at that they point. had Easton was back for that, right? And, and he mauled. So. He he had a hard day, <laughs> just to right. say the least. Right. He had a hard day. Yeah, when people so. ask me why was uh, his rating, his PFF rating, not so good, like, well, he had to face Aaron Donald and Gerald McCoy and a bunch of other Geno Atkins and a bunch of other great three techniques, but Donald is the best in the entire NFL. And going up against him in a playoff game with your backup left guard, I don't like that idea uh, one bit if I'm the Minnesota Vikings. I want starter guys out there, and I'll deal with the edge with Rashad Hill, and we know that that he's been able to handle that. Let me ask you another playoff question. Case Keenum, how much does it matter to you whether he wins in the playoffs this year to your opinion on him as the potential long-term quarterback? We talked about this last week um, on the Mackie and Judd show, and I know that, you know, my original thought, and I still kind of, for for the Vikings perspective, I think for long-term future, because you can also take a gander, you know, where Pat Shermer, you know, where he goes, if it's Arizona, he may bring Case Keenum with him. Mm -hmm. Um, But if the Vikings don't already have their mind made up at this point, like, I kind of wonder what that, you know, what that says just about, you know, the process for 2018, if they're going into this kind of like YOLO, like the next (laughs) three weeks, essentially like, well, if you want us a playoff game, it's going to, you know, it's going to determine your long-term future here in Minneapolis. I don't know if that's really the right way to approach it. I tend to think though, that there is some weight, you know, as much as it, it, maybe it shouldn't be. I do think there is some weight on a playoff game because this is, you know, the last few, the last few games, you know, they play the Bengals, the the Packers, and the Bears to close out the season. None of those games were really, I mean, outside of the the special teams fake punt return, <laughs> none of those games were close. In some of the harder games this year, you know, the 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 Panthers, um, you know, I'm trying to think before that. I mean, 
the Ram, I mean, the Rams game, you know, they, they held the best, the best scoring offense in the NFL to seven points, but that's, you know, you can point a lot more to that as a defensive effort because that was, you know, the game where Mike Zimmer was talking about case being excitable, but that also was the last time that um, it was ever in question who right. the start, the starter quarterback was. So I just think that the sample size you have this year if you want to see the ultimate best of the best that you're going to get, you have to take playoff, um, the playoff sample that you do have coming up, however many games it is, into consideration. Yeah, and I also think you have to take into consideration who might be available to um, and, and how much higher the ceiling could be than Case Keenum. But I totally agree with you that um, I think they are valuing the playoffs. And I think they shouldn't <laughs> the, because anything can happen in a single game. And I brought up the stat today in Joe Flacco's first five playoff games. He threw one touchdown and six picks. And he's known for having that incredible 2012 season. In just one game, things can go really right and trick you into thinking someone's better than they are. Or things can go really wrong and trick you into thinking someone's better than they are in such a tiny, tiny sample. Um I would say, though, if he wins the Super Bowl, then he deserves the long-term contract. But I um, heard today, Courtney, just today, chatting with a friend of mine, that people around the league, I'm I'm, I'm being draft-level vague here, um, (laughs) think that there will be lots of interest in Case Keenum in paying him. So the Vikings are going to have to decide... They're not going to get some middle-of-the-road contract, some lukewarm contract for Case Keenum. It's going to be either a big deal or no deal at all for Case heck, Keenum. Heck yeah. When we talk about how, you know, and maybe this is overstated, how there are not 32 great quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, I think that's, that's a fair argument to make. I think a lot of people don't want to hear that. These are like, this is the NFL. Like, you know, to get to this level and play at this level, you have to be great. No, not necessarily because – Ryan Leaf and um you know there's you go right to poor Ryan Leaf I just you know because that was Bryce our bet Petty. That, yeah there's a lot that you can go off there but you know for to to think about it that way somebody is gonna pay this dude and yep. it's well and honestly it's well deserved making two million dollars this year you know biggest steal essentially in NFL free agency in the offseason last year um I don't see how you can get away with – I'm not saying you're giving him Derek Carr money or Matthew Stafford money, but you're going to pay him. Like, he's got it. I mean, they can't. I mean, why would you? Like, I mean, because you're going to get outbid right away. They couldn't try to lowball this and keep no. two of them on the, on the roster. I don't think it's going to happen where you see Teddy Bridgewater and, and Case Keenum on the roster. I've already put it out the thought out of my head that Sam Bradford is going to be on this roster next year. I know that some people want to argue that, well, Hey, maybe, maybe he will, but trust me, I think those knee issues want, want for the Vikings. They want no part of that going forward. Can and I, the, uncert- the certainty there. Can I make the argument for trying to get Sam Bradford to come back? So sure. l- let's say, well, you're dismissive already. Um, <laughs> well, let, let's just say though, let's just say, that they decide, sorry, the price to play poker with uh, Case Keenum is just too high. The Jets are giving him 20 mil a year. Forget that. Can't do it. Um, so Teddy's going to be our quarterback. We're bringing Teddy back, and he's getting less money. He's getting only 10 million a year be- and with bonuses or something, right? 
So who are you going out to get as a backup quarterback? They got really lucky with Case Keenum that he was even on the market to be a backup quarterback. Usually if a guy has that level of starting experience, then somebody gives him a, an Osweiler or a Glennon contract, something like that. So you're lucky to have a guy who had been a starter with that much experience be your backup. It's going to be hard to find that guy again, unless it's Sam Bradford because of his knee issues you can get a discount there if no one else is willing to make him a starter. So if all the other teams say, sorry, Sam, the knees can't do it, can't bring you to Cleveland and have you fight for a job with Sam Darnold or something, we're just going to stay away from that. If everyone says, sorry, man, you're getting backup money, then if you bring him back here as an insurance policy to Teddy Bridgewater or whoever your quarterback is, then you automatically for the second year in a row, would have the number one best backup quarterback in the entire NFL, a guy who has a 101 quarterback rating since coming to Minnesota. I could see it, and I could also see, remember we talked about this before with like uh, with where Case could end up. This was probably weeks ago where it's like, okay, maybe he will be the Mike Glennon situation. Maybe he will be uh, the Brian Hoyer situation where you bring a veteran guy in to – challenge whomever you draft that year whoever your your next in line is going to be for a starting spot in camp that's out the window now with with case i mean he's going to get a starting job next yeah, year there's, there's no doubt in my mind um and it's kind of crazy looking back on that but anyways um you know with sam bradford i think you know honestly maybe these next I mean, he's got a decision to make like he's back in practice that's the first hurdle um now the Vikings have less than three weeks within this window to decide if they're going to activate him. Teams are going to still have practice film on him, which is kind of like a favor I think the Vikings are doing for Sam too. Um, you know, to me being like, okay, like he's going to go somewhere else. At least they're going to have practice film to go off and to see what his knee does look like. Um, you know, it's limited, but it's better than, you know, he has one great game this year and then, you know, that's it. Like, so I could see him being, in that spot, like as a veteran guy, like, like the situation that we just laid out, the scenario I thought was going to happen to Case Keenum. Mm -hmm. I could potentially see that scenario playing out with Sam Bradford because, you know, that first game was, was, we thought this was going to be a career year for him. We thought he was going to be on his way to making, you know, elite level money with the, you know, his next big deal. Once his contract expires in March, that's not going to happen. So he can still make good money as you know, a high level backup guy that you bring in to compete in camp and all that and push your, push your younger guys. And I just don't, I don't know if that's with the Vikings, because as I said, mm -hmm. I, you know, I still think that Teddy's going to be here next year. Yeah. I, th I think that's fair that if you're the Cleveland Browns and you draft Sam Darnold, you want somebody who's a starter level quarterback because you can't go Owen 16 again. <laughs> so if, if, you know, Darnold shows up and he isn't ready. You you can't turn it over to Deshaun Kaiser because he was a wreck this year for a, a big chunk of the season. You would prefer to have a backup around. That is probably the most likely scenario, but I would say if you're the Vikings, it's not a terrible idea to at least say to Sam Bradford, Hey, uh, would you be interested in coming back as a backup? And then, I mean, maybe there's even a scenario where he and Teddy fight it out in training camp for the starting spot. Like maybe they say, all right, Teddy's the starter. You're the backup. But all of a sudden, Teddy shows rust. And that's the thing. If, if Teddy's mm -hmm. going to be around, 
then you got to have somebody who you can plug in and not have your season fall apart like Tom Savage style. You've got to have somebody like that, or you're, you're going to have the whole thing collapse on you when you still have this really great supporting cast. And another thing to think about, like we talk about Shermer, like automatically assuming that he wants to bring, um, you know, that he wants to potentially bring Case with him to Arizona. Let's just put that out as a scenario because it's, it's the only place he could bring him, right? Like mm-hmm. not going to, you know, not obviously the two NFC North teams aren't going to happen. And, you know, Davis Webb, I think, is the next big thing in New York. I mean, this is going to, assuming the Eli Manning, I mean, do we really know what's happening there? Like, has it been decided? Uh, yeah, like, they, I mean, they could trade him. him. You think that, uh, do you think they're going to draft Rosen with number two overall? Or do you think they're going to try to turn to Webb? Because I thought if they wanted Webb, they would have put him in instead of Geno Smith. Geno Smith, yeah, that would have made sense. But, um, but they did but spend I, a third on him, so I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, they did. And that's, you know, that's to me why I think that would also be going back to our Pat Shermer conversation, why that would be a really good um you know, a good a good a good fit because essentially right. Pat you know, Case Keenum in by the by the eighth degree of separation of these, you know, southwest, southeast United States air raid offense spread systems. They're technically and they technically grew out of the same system. Just mm-hmm. to throw that out there. But anyways, I mean, we, we think about okay, what if what if Shermer goes to Arizona and brings Case Keenum with him? What if he brings Sam Bradford with him? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very reasonable. Like that was his offensive coordinator. That was his guy in Philadelphia. Like and you know, that's you know, his guy in St. Louis too. I mean, this is this is we we can't rule that out as a possibility just yet that he doesn't think that he could get Sam to where he needs to be and you know that maybe they can pick up where they left off. Uh, before we head on out and enjoy our weekends of you're going to grocery shop and I'm just going to watch football and you're also just going to watch football. Um, let's uh, let's pick these games. Want to pick some games? Yeah, let's pick some pick games. Some games. If you want to do a little uh, football music in the background, do you want to go ahead? Pull up my iTunes. Oh, you could do that. Yes. Um, or if you can't find it, we'll just pick the games. So let's, and, 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 <laughs> uh, let's start with the AFC, which is a bus fire of not great teams. <laughs> um, you have the Buffalo Bills facing the Jacksonville Jag wires in Jacksonville. What do you think? You know, as much as I would love to see the Bills train roll on, um, and, and what a great story that was, uh, I, I think that I think Jacksonville looks really good right now. So I, and, and I mean, they're playing at home. The Bills have literally no playoff experience, um, and you know, I think that that's going to be a really big game for for Jacksonville. You know, a really big statement game that they can you know be a threat among. You know this AFC, this AFC, um, the six teams out of the AFC, which you know is not going to be anything other than the Patriots and Steelers. Let's let's not kid ourselves here. But um, I'd like I I think the Jack I think Jacksonville wins that game. I'm going to go with Buffalo in that game because I know who Jacksonville's head coach is, and I covered him in Buffalo, and I think when it gets the toughest, that he's going to fall apart and make a big mistake that costs him that game. Also, Buffalo has a great secondary and going against Blake Bortles just screams pick six. Right. So I, I, I think that's a difference maker. And, and really, I mean, I read that Jacksonville is like an eight and a half point favorite. They only won one more game than the bills this year. It's 10 yeah, and six versus 10 and nine six. and seven. Yeah. Nine and seven. So, I mean, 
you can bring that into play. I understand that. And I think that, you know, if you're, if you're hating on Doug Marone, I mean, okay, that's, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, (laughs) um, you know, there's the thing with the Jaguars with like their, you know, the thing that kind of scares me about them is just how, you know, nobody saw this coming. Like, take a look back to, like, Blake Bortles, what, five interceptions in the preseason game? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and, and good God, here we are. Uh, NFL, like, love the parody. And um, it's just, you know, I, I think with this – with this is a second time that they've met in the playoffs. You know, this isn't – these aren't teams with a lot of rich playoff history. So I think this could be actually one of, like, the more fun games that we see here. You know, and they've won five straight at home. Um so, I mean, there, there's that that you factor into it. And, you know, they, they've won a lot of games. I mean, they can put up points. They've won six, six games this year by 20 or more points, which is, you know, the most in franchise history. And they just can't fall behind because once they're behind, it's like game over. Yeah, because of who their quarterback is. Um, Tennessee and KC, I think we should be on the same page picking Kansas City, right? Yeah, absolutely. Alex Smith to the ship, baby. <laughs> ship. I said ship. Ship. Yes, you have to clarify. I need, like, I have like a speech impediment when it comes to the the T and the P. So yeah. sorry about that. Maybe it's because you use the other word so often. You probably know. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Is that a red flag in your mind? Uh, yes. Yes. Character issues. I've been telling everyone um, that, that it's clear that you can't be a host on our station because of character issues. You know. <laughs> Problems. Uh, Falcons and Rams. I think the. Uh, I decided I'm going first. I. Uh, oh. I think that the uh, Rams are going to be playing the Vikings here. Yeah, I mean, that game decides it early, so then we don't have to wait until Sunday because the lowest, you know, they would eliminate the lowest possible seed and they're the highest possible seed, so that would go to, uh, they would be playing the Vikings. We'd find that out Saturday night. I do think the Rams win this game. I think you do see a very different Rams team when they play the Vikings. Let's just go ahead and say when. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree that Sean McVay is going to make a lot of changes from the first uh, time they, they went off against each other. And, yeah, and Todd Gurley is not going to be held to one touchdown. And, man, I, I think it's just going to be like a heavyweight matchup of two really, really great coaches. Uh, Panthers and Saints, who you got? Do I have to pick this game? Uh, no, I, no you, you do anything you want on the Purple Podcast. You know, it's, as I've said before... <laughs> I don't think it's wise to pick against Drew Brees mm-hmm. in the playoffs at any stage, any seed, anything like that. You know, he's got the highest single season completion percentage in NFL history this year, uh, which topped Sam Bradford's of last year. And I just think that, you know, they're, they're, tre- they're stable of running backs that they have. Like, I think Alvin Kamara, I mean, he's, he's so impressive. And it just everything that he does gives them, I think, more more versatility within their run game and you know that you know their screen game than it does you know with um, Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart so I'm picking the Saints they're at home um, and I don't bet against Drew Brees in the playoffs yeah no I agree with everything you said and would just add that the Panthers have so many holes on their team they don't have receivers they're not that great against the pass on defense like you said, they do not have an explosive running game except uh, on that one play against uh, the Vikings and with Cam Newton. They they have a lot of shortcomings, and there aren't many shortcomings for the Saints. All right. No, 
think Marshawn Lattimore too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh, you know, remember when everybody's like, "Oh, defensive rookie of the year." Like, and he kind of cooled off there. I mean, he's looking pretty good right now, and yeah. and so is Marcus Williams. So I, you know, I ain't tripping on it. I think that this <laughs> is going to be a good. I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, but no, I, I think I also think we're already going to know who the Vikings are playing before that. I yep, yeah, I agree. I think it's I think they end up going up uh, against the Rams and then ultimately uh we'll see if they get a a chance at the Saints later on cuz I think if you were playing out the bracket that's probably how you would design it is you would say that they're in the NFC Championship game would play the Saints which would just be perfect going back to uh 2009 to get another shot at that. So do you think that they would have 12 men on the field and like mm. that up as they did in 2000. Technically from what I understand about that play is that it was like they were trying to throw them off, but they ended up like screwing themselves. If I'm correct on that. Uh, yeah. To quote a great GIF uh, that includes DJ Khaled. Congratulations. What is a, what's a GIF? Stop it. It's a GIF. I'm it's not, not a GIF. It is not, not a gift. I'm familiar with it's this thing that you talk of. I am checking this with linguists. Uh, I was going to say, DJ Khaled, congratulations, you played yourself. For those who have uh, the internet. But that is that is what happened and then took themselves out of uh, field goal range. So they had to pass the ball and then we know what happened there. Although Bernard Berrien is still wide open on the sideline. Um, but anyway, I think that's how it ends up playing out. So we will see and uh, we will be back um soon next week next week whenever whenever you get all your grocery shopping done we will be back for uh... it but i will definitely be around a purple podcast (laughs) all right sounds good so thank you all for listening to the purple podcast and uh we will be back again next week of course enjoy all the football it's a great great weekend for football we'll see you